does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, you had 50 Cent and Will Ferrell in the building last night. Who's to say, you know, Indy can't attract big names? That's right. Show that to the free agents here. Jake Query was in attendance, too. So. Query, well, and I was. You know, three for three. We, all three of us were there, right? Yep. It would take um, you know, quite the star to push 50 Cent to kind of the B-list. But I guess Will Ferrell does that when he yep. was in the building. He's the one that revved up the Indy car. 50 Cent gave him a little push. I didn't know if there was some pit issues Will there. Ferrell did a really good job of, not that 50 Cent wouldn't have, um, but but Will Ferrell, they kind of made the focal point of the, the evening, and he did a really good job of soaking it in. I like you how know, he had he, the My First Game pin on. My, did he really? <laughs> yeah, the my first game for the Pacers when you go to your first game. Like my, my really? one year old got the Pacers pin and <laughs> so did Will Ferrell. Yeah, and I you know he That's outstanding. He got on the microphone and fired up the crowd and then now again they it was before I believe it was just prior to the fourth quarter. He got on the mic to be like, you know, let's go, Pacers, you know, it's fourth quarter time. And then he kept talking, and the play resumed, and you could tell they were kind of like, "Is he going to finish his thought here?" Or and I couldn't hear exactly what he was saying, but they they had to cut his mic off because the game was resuming, and I don't think he knew his mic was off. Oh, this is awkward. It was very awkward. Perfect. Anyway, That's Carol. maybe the best audio drop you've ever had. Mark. Thank you. Well said. Yeah, well, it was a tad awkward, but um, from you know my vantage point, I know I thought Will Ferrell did a great job interacting with fans, and um, again, a star-studded group inside yeah. of Cambridge Fieldhouse, and. Will Ferrell might have done a better job on Joel Embiid than Miles Turner did. Let me, let me read you this real quick. My my current Twitter poll, at Jake Query, J-A-K-E-Q-U-E-R-Y, which contains the signature movie role of Will Ferrell. Now, I've got these broken down into groups. I want you guys to tell me which one you think is leading currently. Group one, Elf slash Jackie Moon. Group two, Ricky Bobby slash Chaz Reinhold. That's Wedding Crashers. Group three, Ron Burgundy slash Jacob Magatu from Zoolander. Group four, Frank the Tank slash Brennan Huff from Step Brothers. Which is leading? I'm going to say Frank the Tank, Brennan Huff. I would vote two. Ricky Bobby, Chaz Reinhold? Mm-hmm. But that's, I, I, I don't believe that will be leading. But that's Cur- how I would Currently vote. leading, Ron Burgundy slash Jacob mm-hmm. Magatu. Obviously, that's for Ron Burgundy, I would assume. Entertaining yeah. night. It was. Inside of Gamebridge Field. That's 147-143. The Pacers lose to the Sixers. We'll chat more about that coming up with Alex Golden at 9. We've been mentioning these mock drafts exiting the Combine. Again, Todd McShay from ESPN, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. They both have the Colts trading up to 1. In McShay's case, he's got Bryce Young to Indy. In Brugler's case, he has C.J. Stroud to Indy. A couple things stand out to me about what you're seeing here. One... They both have Chicago moving back twice. One of them to pick seven, one of them to pick nine. Mark, too far back for you? No, because the Bears have a lot of needs. Uh, They were a three-win team last year, and while they look like they have the quarterback in place, they need a lot around them, offensive line, defensive line help, wide receiver, all that stuff. So accrue all the picks you can. I mean, you're hoping to not be in this position 
ever again under Ryan Poles and Justin Fields. So get all the picks you can for whatever you need to get. The other thing that stands out to me is, again, they've got the Colts, both of them, trading from 4-1. to one. Obviously, if they were to do that, they would jump Houston at 2. We know the Colts have connections with the Bears. Ryan Poles, their mm-hmm. GM, and Chris Ballard. Worked together in Kansas City. Obviously, Matt Eberflus and Chris Ballard very close together. Remember, it was Ballard that kind of spurred the hire of Eberflus, not Frank Reich or really Josh McDaniels back in 2018. If you are the Bears, though, if you look at what each team can offer you, Houston can offer you a lot more than what Indy can offer you. Mm -hmm. Houston has got, I believe it's 12 picks in this draft, along with having the number two spot. They also draft again... I want to say it's 12. Yeah, they have a 12. I don't think the 12th will be in play if they move up one spot. But but wouldn't you, if you're Chicago, wouldn't you just think to yourself, let's trade back to two, get Houston's quote-unquote best trade offer. Then if you want to move back to four or seven or nine, you will then get Indy's nice right. trade package offer or the Raiders at seven or the Panthers at nine. I, I still think to myself... I mean, unless Houston literally says there's two quarterbacks we absolutely love, we'll, we know we'll get either of them at two, but if there's any sort of we think one is better than the others, then moving from two to one makes a whole lot of sense. And again, they've got the best to offer compared to Indianapolis. That's why I think that would be an easier trade to pull off. If you're just moving one spot, if you're Chicago and Houston, you can give the two and maybe the 34th overall pick and throw in like a mid-round pick in next year's draft or, or later this year you can pull off that trade relatively easily and then start fielding calls from the two to move down even further so i think the houston chicago trade would be a lot easier to pull off than a uh, allow bears me Tex- or bears cold let one. me ask this it's a two-part question for either of you do we know definitively at this point that justin fields is a long-term franchise quarterback. There's hope that he is. Do we know it? No. Kevin? Yeah, I, I don't think we know it, but I think there's reason for Chicago to want to continue to build around him. And I feel like Ryan Poles has pretty much said that. Okay. Now, again, he didn't draft them, so that's worth pointing out. This regime, the Chicago regime, did not draft Justin Fields. So I think it's worth mentioning that. But again, it seems like they are content with trying to continue this deeper into his rookie the, contract. The reason I say it, do you believe that Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State was more, less, or equal to a sure thing as any of the four quarterbacks that are in this draft? I don't think I would have slotted him above a Bryce Young or even a C.J. Stroud. Okay. Mark? I think he's right in the mix there. Uh, obviously, he didn't have to showcase his legs as much in Ohio State as he does with the Bears, given their offensive line situation. But I think you see both of those things. You're like, well, he's pretty dynamic, and he's much bigger than Bryce Young. My point being... And remember, he went fourth of those quarterbacks in yep. his draft class. You know, but he my fell. point being that he is an example... If, if he is, which I believe that he is right around on par with the four quarterbacks in this draft. Maybe a little behind Young. I get it. But you could make the argument that he's in that same level of mix as a prospect, and yet, even after the number of snaps, we still don't know whether or not he's the long-term guy. 
Thus, for Indianapolis, for example, Kevin, when people are talking about giving up next year's number one and this and that to move up a couple of spots, there is still no guarantee. This is the most unscientific position to slot and prognosticate in all of sports, period. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's border, It's extremely difficult. Uh, extremely difficult. I mean, you're projecting not only them to a high level of football, but again, all the pressure that comes with that. I would say the reason why I don't look at Fields or didn't look at Fields maybe as high as Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is, again, I like a little bit of mobility. I almost think that Fields is, that's his best strength, is his running. At some point, there comes a time where that just can't be your mm-hmm. your dominant trait, whether that be age, whether that be injury. I look at Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. They both can make plays with their legs, but I think they are better throwers first than Justin Fields. That's why I think this next year for the Bears and Justin Fields in general will be a big point because if now that you have the cap space and the draft picks, if you build around them and you're still seeing the same results that you saw this last year when they had a bare-bones crew, then you can move on from Justin Fields next year and start looking at a quarterback if you, you're not seeing any kind of progress. Uh, so I think they'll give him the 2023 season, give him weapons around him and all that stuff and see what happens. And if he seems to regress or not make as much a big a step as they hope, then they'll they'll move on then. On this very topic, I know John wanted to chat about Justin Fields. John, good morning to you. Hey, guys. It's John, the guy from uh, Arizona. Hey. Um, John, is it 510 out there? No, no, John. I met you at the at the. Fan oh, team. you went to Arizona. You you yeah, didn't live you out there. Bad. Yeah, you you love Matherin as much as I do. Yep, I forgot yes, about that. Yes, good to hear from Although, you. Last night, yeah, you too. Hey, everyone's talking about trading up to number one with Chicago. I think Justin Fields is a very similar quarterback to uh, Jalen Hurts, and Shane Steichen did so well with him. Why couldn't we just uh, trade for him? They get to keep their number one pick. We give them the four and maybe one or two other things. Wouldn't that be a lot less expensive? Well, but if you're Chicago, why would you want to trade away from that that. for an unproven prospect? That is true. I mean, that's the variable there. Devil's advocate to that, and John, thank you for the call. Devil's advocate to that, Jake, you restart the rookie clock for your quarterback-wise. They're about to pay Justin Fields. So... And again, that regime did not draft him. Again, they sound like they're going to retain him, but the devil's advocate approach to it would be you're now drafting the guy that you picked, that you believe in, and you don't have to pay him the amount of money you're about to pay Justin Fields here in a couple years. That would be, I think, part of the reason why you would do that. Um, Something to keep an eye on today, franchise tag deadline at 4 o'clock. Jake, we've mentioned this before. The last Colt to receive the franchise tag is one Pat McAfee in the 2013 season. You look at the list of free agents for the Colts, I really don't see anyone that would qualify as a franchise tag player. Again, the franchise tag is the average of the top five salaries at a player's position or... 120% of the previous player's salary, whichever is higher. I mean, you don't think any of these are top five players at their position, right? Yannick Ngakwe, Bobby Okereke, Chase McLaughlin? Correct. Did the Colts have any player on their roster? How many players do the Colts have on their roster that are a top 10 player at their position? Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I'd say Taylor. I would say Nelson. I would say Buckner. Uh, probably Grover Stewart. Yeah, that's good. 
Um, I thought just in, in in a vacuum of last year, I thought Stephon Gilmore was a, definitely a top 10 corner. Gilmore, by the way, was also um, at the game last night. Let me ask you. Did 50 Cent buy him a drink? Because he could have said that. one's for This one for Mr. Gilmore. It's $5 in the hopper there. You got to turn on your mic, Jake. <laughs> it's $5 in the hopper. Did you turn my mic off? But I you, didn't touch your mic. See, you, you teed him up for that. I did not. Did I? You threw the alley-oop and Mark I, simply just jumped in. He was Isaiah Joe. Jackson. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He simply just jumped I, I'm the, in the, I'm the one here. It. I'm the one that's guilty of leading him to the water and yep. making him drink mm-hmm. the water that's contaminated. That's yep. my fault yeah, because I did. took you to the mm-hmm. edge. Mark okay. just had his IndyCar credential on. He forgot his yeah. combine credential there. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let me give you a list of names here and you, you tell me what. Let me read this entire list. Tell me how many of these quarterbacks you think in the end were a great pick for the franchise that selected them. You ready? Tim Couch, Michael Vick, Carson Palmer, Eli Manning. Oh, man, once I'm done. fast here. <laughs> no, I mean, just once I'm done off the top of your head. Tim Couch, Michael Vick, Carson Palmer, Eli Manning, Alex Smith, Matthew Stafford, Sam Bradford, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. Those are the quarterbacks that were taken number one overall in the NFL draft since Peyton Manning. How many of them were yep. worthy? How many of them were franchise level, carrying a franchise player for the team that selected them? I'd say right around half, half maybe a little probably. bit more yeah, than right? half. Um, I mean, Couch, no, Vic, eh, maybe Vic revolutionized revolutionized Fair. his position for a while. I, I, Palmer was a very I good mean, what player about until he got Cam. Hurt. He got the Panthers to the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, he was a good player. He's an MVP. I mean, Alex Smith. Eh. Yeah. Staff, Stafford, obviously not for Detroit, but elsewhere. But is that his fault? They, you know, Winston, eh. Goff. Eh. Yeah, to me, it's like less to do with the label of the number one pick and more to if my job is on the line, I want to be the one choosing. Because mm-hmm. if you don't get this right, you're fired. I think a big part of it is who you got around them, man. The situation they're going into. It kind of goes off of what Beck was talking to me on the phone with he couldn't stay on but he said is that reason why maybe Ballard would be hesitant to move up from four because of the pressure that comes with like you better hit a home run with the well, guy that you're selecting somebody made a good point to four? me somebody like, hey, made we a took good, who we had somebody made a good point to me which is and it's a really good point um the reality of look Ballard is probably less worried about what he's got to give up to get this quarterback selection right because if he gets it wrong he ain't using those picks anyway right. it, it, exactly and again I think there's an element of if you draft that guy, he is going to be the one that helps out your roster more than others. Um, and you can support him in free agency, which I know is, a, again, a bit of a foreign concept, but there are other avenues to support that quarterback outside of just what you would do with the draft picks that you would trade away. Uh, yesterday we saw, speaking of Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley reinstated to the NFL after his gambling snafu uh, a couple years ago. Calvin Ridley had 1,300 yards with Matt Ryan in 2020. That's a nice weapon for Trevor Lawrence, assuming that he's still in pretty good shape. Yeah, I'd say it is, right? So, yeah, Jacksonville going to add another. Again, with the franchise tag deadline at four, if that comes and goes without the Colts tagging anyone, that means they will have until Monday at noon to try and get deals done with their in-house free agents. We'll go over some of these free agents here the rest of the week. I am not one that thinks the Colts can bring back Bobby Okereke. 
Um, I think he's a really nice player, but I just don't think they've got the finances. I'm probably a little bit more on bring back Yanni Ngakwe than most. And we can get into that a little you bit need more Ngakwe, here. Right? Coming up. Um, In my opinion, that sucks. I was kind of waiting, waiting for that. Uh, but yeah, Monday at noon, that is when you'll start to see deals be announced, you know, agreed to terms and all of those, all that kind of phrasing and language. Wednesday at 4 o'clock is when the new league year starts, so that is when free agency officially begins. And for those curious about the Matt Ryan situation, next Friday, that is St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, is when Matt Ryan is owed an additional $17 million. $10 million of that in a roster bonus and $7.2 million of his 2023 salary. So I would expect Matt Ryan to not be a Colt come next Friday. Nick Foles, also you can save a little bit of money on him. I think it's just a little bit over $2 million. I mean, Foles is gone, right? Yeah. Personally, I don't think Foles and or Ryan really want to be here either. I, I don't know about Matt Ryan. Has there been any update on Foles ever since he got hit? In the, against the Giants, like I haven't heard anything about him. He's still there. He's still writhing there. around. He's still laying there. Yeah, they're doing snow angels. Yeah, Thibodeau just brought his family out to do some snow <laughs> angels around him. That's right. Uh, and Jake, I'll throw a couple of these names out there. Ryan Kelly, you save seven point eight million if you cut him. Kenny Moore, you save eight million if you cut him. I mean, two guys that I would say are not playing to their. Contracts. I would say they have not been return on investment at this point, right? We have not seen Chris Ballard operate with veteran cuts. We do see a lot of teams do it. I mean, yesterday you saw the Vikings cut Eric Kendricks, a guy that's been a really nice linebacker throughout his NFL career. You're going to continue to see that over the next week or so. That will add to what the free agency market looks like. Again, the Colts have typically not been that sort of team. But given their cap situation, it's not as abundant as they usually have been in with Chris Ballard. So I do think Matt Ryan saves you $17 million. Obviously, that'll be a big part of it. But you've got a couple guys on your roster that if you're going to be kind of a man of your word and say significant changes are needed after going 4-12-1, those are a couple that I've oh, got wait. my eye on. How about the how about the Tampa Bay Bucks? by the way? They're $57 million over the cap. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have the list right there? I do. Uh, Colts is what, like 11 or 12 in cap space? Uh, the Colts right now are 17th in the league. They have $12.7 million in cap space for this year. So, and we'll get into the free agents, but I don't know if like you stand on a table for anybody in your own building. Chase McLaughlin, honestly, is probably the one that you do. You know what they should do is just get as much cap space as possible, and then Griggs is wheeling and dealing, and go out and get Ricky Jean Francois and Eric Walden and Goster Sherless and Laron Landry, and just break the bank, baby. Orlando Brown, here he comes. Todd Harriman's. I thought Grixon was uh, – I, I enjoyed the interview on, on Friday. He was great. Mm-hmm. For those who missed it, Ryan Grixon, Shane Steichen joined us on Friday from the Combine. Greg, Greg Doyle going to join us here in about 10. Alex Golden coming up in the 9 o'clock hour as the Pacers have a couple of days off before they take on the Houston Rockets coming up. Well, that's another day off, right? Thursday. Well, <laughs> Evan's hoping so. <laughs> you would like to think that. How many wins are they going to end the season with? I said 32 and 50 at the start of the year. The oh, Pacers or the Rockets? They should get about? more than 32, Pacers. right? Yeah, I would hope they get more than 32. Hey, what do you have, okay. 16 to go? Don't they play like the Pistons a bunch coming up? Here's who they have left. Okay. Your Pacers schedule upcoming for the rest of the year. Okay, Houston at home. At Detroit. 
at Detroit, <laughs> at Milwaukee, Philadelphia at home. <laughs> Keep up here. Oh, at man, Charlotte. Another Philadelphia game. At Toronto, at Boston, at Atlanta, Dallas at home, Milwaukee at home, Oklahoma City at home, at Cleveland, New York, New York at home, Detroit at home, at New York, 36. That gets you to 36. What's that, a 10-game improvement from a year ago? Gosh, was it really 26 last year? I think it's somewhere in there. It might have been 21 last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, this time last year was the old, all right, Kiefer Sykes playing 35 minutes here tonight. Great story. Uh, luckily, the Pacers do not have that this year again. I thought last night, again, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, good to continue to give them some run. I'll give Rick Carlisle credit. Um, did not turn to George Hill or Daniel Tice, so continuing to play some of the young guys with Aaron Neesmith out last night. All right, let's head to Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg Dolo from the Indianapolis Star is going to join us right now. Good morning, Greg. Kevin, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm just fine, thanks. I don't say well, though. I'm doing good. I don't say well. I know well is proper. I don't say proper. I don't. Oh. I don't. I, I break rules, Kevin Bowen. I break them. Well, certainly you, you do. You know, You're actually very Greg, unique riding style, and that fits with Indiana. I think I say good a lot over well uh, too. I, here's the thing. I believe that you would say I am. You could say I am doing well. Or, I'm sorry, you would say, I am well, but I'm doing good, and both are grammatically correct, right? Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't like well. I don't like well, I, unless it's liquor, and then I like it because it's cheaper. I'm a, I'm a cheap, I don't, I, my, my palate is not good. So, in fact, when I order a drink, which isn't often, that has vodka or whatever in it, um, they'll say, would you prefer this kind or that kind? And I said, what you got, what's cheap? I, I don't really care. So, yeah, when it comes cheap. to vodka... I, I've always believed, Greg, they're they're all kind of the same. The people are probably going to yell at me on that, but you know, in term in terms of the governmental formula to make it, it has to be the same thing, right? I I don't know enough about it to know. All I know is that all that matters to me is what are you going to mix with it? Because if I'm drinking vodka straight, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, so if you that's mix fair. something with it, yeah. If, if you mix something cool with it, by the way, I found this great drink. Uh, I was drinking with my girlfriend last last week. It was um, what do you call it? Uh, orange. Cream Dream, made by TGI Fridays. It looks like a creamsicle. Have you ever heard of that? Well, I, I love TGI Fridays. It's a TGI Friday drink they put in a bottle, and I bought it like a sucker, and I like it. I can guzzle that stuff. Well, as I try to make somewhat of a transition, how about um, the Wells vodka approach to the Colts? Should they be going for Wells, or should they be going top shelf when the draft starts here in about a month and a half? 
The problem is, Kevin, that's a great segue. We don't know who's on that top shelf. Like, we, we know that. We know that Bryce Young can't reach the top shelf. We know that much. You put something up there, he's not. It's like that commercial with Trey Young, where he goes, and I love it. Like Trey Young is a coach killer, and you know you you can never trust the sweet looking people because they're always the coach killers. But he's a coach killer. But that commercial where he, he can't reach something, and John Quell Jones reaches it for him, and he kind of sighs and goes, "Thanks, John Quell." I love that commercial, even though I don't like Trey Young. Um, however. Bryce Young would be that, like, thanks, thanks, Anthony Richardson. But I'm not sure which one's the top-shelf guy. Greg, I think the thing that, to me, is intriguing, and I want your thought on this, this is what I've been talking a lot about this week with Kevin, is that, in my opinion, and I don't know, I don't know if this, this is a draft. The first thing that I think I'm intrigued by, and I want your thought on this, is this a draft that has, let's say, three to four quarterbacks worth taking in the first round or is it a draft that is so void in the first round that quarterbacks are moving their way up because there are so many teams needing a quarterback regardless of whether or not those quarterbacks merit being a franchise guy no i i actually think this is this is one of the good ones because i i remember last year last year was a year with no quarterbacks and so kenny pickett i guess went first and Devin ritter went whenever he went um, last year and, and last year, and, and Malik Willis last year, everybody was saying, "But wait till next year." So I, I, it feels like these quarterbacks are legit, and people thought they were legit for years. Now Bryce Young's height is weird. Anthony Richardson's level of rawness is weird. Will Levis's year that he had after the great first year at Kentucky, his second year, that's kind of weird. Um, by the way, when I said earlier, I'm not sure which one's a top shelf guy. I, I don't mean to imply at all that I think they're equal. Meaning Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. I, I have I, what I'm saying is I have no idea. I, you know, and, and and I'm not I'm not supposed to. You know, draft mix will say, well, this guy. Pe- people that think they know, you don't know. Like you don't know. Chris Ballard doesn't know. If Chris Ballard knew that we, you know, it'd be over. We there'd be a trade or whatever. He'd he'd be getting them right now. He'd get the number one overall pick because he'd know. Nobody knows. It's a big crapshoot. Uh, all I know is this: the one guy I don't want because he gives me combo vibes of Sam Darnold on the field. And Josh Rosen behind the microphone is Will Levis. If you remember, Josh Rosen got drafted 11th or whatever. Said, "All I know is there's 10 teams taken that are going to be sorry about this." And I wrote about it then in real time. I wrote in real time, like that's not you know you just blew it. Like whatever you just said, you, nobody wants to hear you say that. You're an idiot. That was the same year the Colts had a lot of draft picks that all said, "I'm the next this. I'm the next guy." I think it was Dreese Fountain said, "I'm the next Jerry Rice or something." So I wrote this thing about how these draft picks. It's like they think their job is to talk up themselves. Like, no, you're not. You're not all that good. Anyway, Will Levis sounds like Josh Rosen, and he plays like Sam Darnold, and he's going to go fourth overall to the Colts over my freaking angry body. Will he do that? But here's the thing, Greg. Number one, I have heard that Ursay likes him a lot. I have no idea how valid that is, but you know, somebody told me that. But for the Colts, they have to simply assess if they are sitting at four. I think the Colts' job is to determine which is a greater number. The the drop-off 1-4 to four in terms of their four quarterback rankings or the the number of talent or, or impact they would lose if they were to have to give away pieces to move up two or three spots. And that, to me, that's the biggest question mark for them heading into the draft, if that makes sense. Because I... I I get what you're saying about Levis or whatever quarterback you don't want them taking it for. However, 
I don't want them giving up a future number one and a late or you know a, an early second round pick just to move up two spots. Well, here, here's the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters is they get the right guy. It is that they identify the right guy, which is hard to do. I, I don't mean to imply that. If, and if Chris Bauer can't do it, he's bad at his job. It is the, the NFL draft every year is full of scores of teams that don't know what they're looking at. Tom Brady and Brock Purdy are two obviously different examples, but two pretty clear examples that we don't know what we're looking at. And Jamarcus Russell, we don't know what we're looking at. They don't know what they're looking at. They they guess and they and when they get it right, they've been explained what they were looking at. Like, yeah, I knew. It's almost like picking your March Madness bracket when you've got three teams in the Final Four and you act like you knew you knew. You didn't know. You got lucky. I mean, that's all this is. You you get lucky. So my point is this. If he gets the right guy, if he does, how's this for a question? Do you have any idea what Kansas City gave up to get Patrick Mahomes? Do you have any idea? No. And does it matter? No. They won two Super Bowls. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you give up if you get the right guy. I don't disagree with that, Greg, but but my fear is this. Sometimes the difference between the right guy and the wrong guy are the pieces around them. And quite frankly, I don't think the Colts have very good pieces. And they need more good ones. That's my concern. I'm with you there. I am with you there. And and the thing is, it's all hypothetical, and so we'll never know. And so, on the one hand, I like to say this with assurance, like I know, but I hate hypotheticals. But, like, what would Patrick Mahomes look like with this Colts offense? I think he'd look pretty good. I'm not saying he'd be. He'd look like Matt Ryan. He'd be replaced by Sam Ellinger. No, no. I think Mahomes would be pretty good in this offense. But what would he, But you're right. The pieces matter. Um, now, that said, quarterback is the one job, the one job in the NFL where your job is to make everybody around you look better than they are. And, and so when, when the, a great quarterback leaves a team, all of a sudden you realize a receiver that had 80 catches for 1,200 yards isn't all that. Um, so I, I don't know where the answer is on this, but I, I do believe that the Colts, if they get the right quarterback, the pieces will just, A, the pieces will look better than they are, and B, if they get the right quarterback, free agents will want to come here. You know, they used to want to come here when Luck was here. They wanted to come here. They haven't wanted to come here in a long time because they don't know who they're playing with. If, they, if, if Bryce Young is that guy, next offseason, free agents will come here. And Greg Dolo from the Indianapolis Stars with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. I do want to move on, but one more on the quarterback front, Greg. I know you were over there listening to the QBs um, last week, and I do think last week was a big separator for the Colts in terms of what are these guys like kind of neck up? You know, how are they wired personality-wise, all of those things? That can be a huge separator. Just purely from what you observed, who did you like the most? Okay, first of all, I do want to say this, because people might poo-poo that idea. But Chris Ballard came out and said it, said it, not on the podium when the GM spoke, but he said it to a handful of media, and I know you were there, later off to the side. He said they are going to listen to these quarterbacks talking to the media. They want to know how do you handle questions because you're going to be the face of the franchise, right or wrong. If we pick you fourth, third, second, first, you're the face of the franchise. If you can't handle yourself in front of questions, that's a problem. So they, they, the Colts actually had, there was maybe 10 or 12 cameras focused on the podiums when the quarterback spoke last week. Only 10 or 12. There's 32 NFL teams. Of those 10 or 12 cameras focused on the quarterbacks, several of them were TV, ESPN, NFL Network, local TV, whatever. The Colts had a camera there. They, they were filming that. And again, there's 32 NFL teams. There weren't 32 NFL cameras there. So the Colts were, they're serious about this. So now you're asking me, which of those, those guys did I think were the best? Let me, let me go back to one thing. I, I didn't like the way Will Levis came off. 
hey, well, why are you throwing? Because I have a cannon and I want to show it off. Like, some people confuse leadership with talking like that. It's why I hate today's version of leadership, which is LeBron, I love LeBron, but LeBron will say, as a leader of this team, don't say that. Take those four words out of your vocabulary and then say whatever comes next. I've got to play hard. As a leader of this team, I've got to play hard. How about you just got to play hard? Don't tell us you're a leader. Show us you're a leader. We'll leave us. Don't tell us you have a cannon. Show us you have a cannon. Uh, anyway, so having said that, the other three guys are confident. Well, Bryce Young was confident, but in a very in a very humble, I love you kind of way. P.J. Stroud was was confident in a in a just a great like I want you in my foxhole. I just think you're a cool guy and you're you're charming as hell. Anthony Richardson was kind of this quietly confident. Like I know what people are thinking about me. You know, all I can tell you is when when they ask when the time in the forty, it's going to be fast. Yeah, but how fast? Fast. You know, I, I I loved I loved all three of them. They were so different. I loved all three. You're asking me which one do I like the best. Um, honestly, just the way he came off and the, the the combination of confidence, humility. I believe you believe what you're saying, and I don't think you're trying to talk yourself up like Will Levis. I believe I actually believe you, T.J. Stroud. Yeah, he definitely left that impression on me as well. Um, all right, March is going to be a lot about IU and Purdue for you. If I said better chance Purdue makes the Elite Eight or IU makes the Sweet Sixteen, where are you going? Uh, Purdue in the Elite Eight. Purdue. Now the thing is, Purdue's got to figure out, fix whatever's gone wrong. You know, I I got a lot of heat when I went to the Purdue game against Illinois, and I, I, I you know, I don't really understand it. They they've lost four of eight, and yes, IU has lost three of six, but IU didn't start the year twenty two and one. Okay, Purdue was twenty two and one, and they've lost four of eight, and they beat Illinois, but they blew a twenty four point lead. And go back and rewatch the last couple minutes and look at how the whistles went. That was that was a, they won that game because it was at home. Okay, that's the only reason they won that game. March Madness, you're not at home. Now I happen to like Purdue a lot. I've got a track record here that says I've been very, 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 very positive of Purdue. I've got IU fans mocking me on Twitter for years, calling me Purdue Greg. They think I like Purdue so much. So I think, unless you're just unhinged, I've got some credibility to say Purdue scares me because they've been utterly beatable in the last. Even some of their wins have been. You know, Matt Painter will tell you. He will tell you the final score in March and the tournament, it matters. Survive in advance. But in these games right now, trying to suggest what they are, the final score is not as important as how well you're playing. And they're not playing well. That said, I've seen them beat everybody for about three months. I've seen Zach Eady for all year be a, a guy you can't stop. And if he doesn't get in foul trouble, and he rarely does, you, you can't stop him. All they need is one guy maybe two playing pretty well beside them, and, and you can't beat Purdue. Greg, I think I Indiana's in the there. same position, aren't they? I mean, Trace Jackson Davis has been dynamic all year, and when they get secondary scoring out of their backcourt, now I know Race Thompson can give you 15, but out of their backcourt with to, to keep defenses thinned out a little bit, whether it's Jalen hood Shafino, who obviously is a, a very good talent, or the combo of Galloway cop on the wings, to me, that is Indiana's Braden Smith Fletcher lawyer. If those guys are consistent throughout the course of a game, you're really hard to beat. But it's the same formula for both teams. Those shots aren't falling from the outside. You collapse in and you double Edie or Jackson Davis and you let them get their twenty eight and you you take your chances elsewhere. It seems I, like the same formula for both. Yeah, but where I see the difference is and I wrote a few weeks ago that Trace Jackson Davis, you can make a strong argument for him Big Ten Player of the Year, that in Big Ten play, his numbers are right there with Zach Eady. So I'm not a tr- I love Trace Jackson Davis. However, between the two, Zach Eady is more likely to put up 35 and 20. Well, I, so I no think, argument there, yeah. 
Right. So on the one hand, between the two, Purdue's dominant player is can be more dominant than IU's dominant player. A, and then B, Purdue's got more guys that can help. They, they, you know, IU's got two or three guys, and if just one or two of them get hot, that's good. Purdue's got like seven or eight guys, and they just need two or three of them to get hot. I think Purdue's depth of talent, players four through nine, is much better than IU. Like IU doesn't even go nine deep. Like Caleb Banks is their eighth guy right now. George Ronald can't get on the court right now. The, the, the players they have trying to help out aren't nearly the caliber of Purdue's players. So that's why I think Purdue's got a higher ceiling because they, they have more options to help Edie than IU does to have help TJD. Greg, last one for me. I know high school boys basketball tournament time, I feel like you always come up with a pretty unique story. Um, anything you can share on potentially anything on that front or just something you're working on here to keep an eye out for? Man, I love your setting me up, and I don't really have anything high school-wise, but I do have one that I, I'm hoping happens. I'm going to actually send a text message out today. Um, it involves, and he doesn't even know I'm doing this yet, but it involves Quinn Buckner. Um, so, Quinn, if you're listening, that'll be me texting you pretty soon. I have a question I want to ask Quinn about something happening around the country, I'm not going to say where, in women's basketball. I think if I'm right about this, if, if Quinn – Anyway, that could be a really special story. So I'm working on that, hoping on that. If nothing ever happens, delete this. It never happened. Delete your, and then del- when you're done deleting this, delete your account. Is this Terry Morin related or more national? Yeah. Okay. Here's here's the bottom line. Okay, I'll tell you what the hell. Um, Boy, and, you, and I'll, so that's a bit soft by you to just cave like this. Yeah, I'll tell you what the hell. Well, because I, I kind of like consider me a dog lifting my leg on this. I'm I'm claiming this story. I'm claiming it. <laughs> yeah, and if I see him here on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> well, and if anybody out there is listening and they want to go head head with me on this story, bring it. But I'm claiming this story is mine, so it's mine. Leave it alone. Um, I'm going to ask Quinn Snyder. I'm sorry, Quinn Buckner. Does Grace Berger remind you of you? Because I think Grace Berger plays. I've heard from people that saw Quinn in, in college, actually. That, that they're the same players. I've already compared Grace Berger to Jalen Huchifino. They're both big, strong point guards who play at their pace and can get their points, but they're they're great at setting everybody else up. And what I understand is that was Quinn Buckner on the 76 Hoosiers. The, he's an NBA guy. He's a great player, but he was a big, strong point guard who set everybody else up around him. If I can get Quinn to tell me, Yes, Grace is just like me. Not only that, but she and I have talked, you know, five times over the last year. I, you know, I'm her mentor. Who, who knows? I don't know. That's how I get my story sometimes. I get these ideas, and I throw a line, a line in the water. Sometimes it nibbles, and I catch a, a big old shark. And then sometimes, sometimes the, 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 the fish takes the, the bait and pulls me into the water and drowns me. So, you know, it doesn't always work out, but that's what I'm going for. Okay, how about this, by the way? Quinn Buckner, Jerry Lucas, Magic Johnson, and I think there may be one recent that I'm missing, but they are the only guys in basketball history to have accomplished what? Kevin, you know? Is it Olympic Olympic gold, NBA championship, NCAA title? And? There's one hey. more. High school title. High that was going to be my guess, too, and I wonder who the fourth guy would be. Uh, I, I was trying to think. I'm fairly certain it was done. It, it's kind of harder now. Greg to remember because well first off in college you know so many guys are one and done right so yeah. to find the college champions tough it wasn't Carmelo though because he didn't win, I don't believe he won an NBA ring right no but well I'm, I mean did Oak Hill Academy did, did they win yeah, a state I mean, title exactly by the way Greg somebody just sent me a text and said can you please ask Greg if he's driving any athletes to the airport anytime soon 
Ha! Um, do I have anybody? How about this? Uh, if I've not made it clear, Will Levis, if they draft him, I will show up on draft day and say, Will, here's your Uber. We're going back to the airport because we're, we're flying you to Tampa Bay because we don't want you here. And I hate that. Listen, I've gone too far on Will Levis. He could be a great guy, okay? You he, thought the Cannon comment was that bad? It was unnecessary. It was just, it was, it was unnecessary. I, you know, it, again, some people, listen, we all have our different style that we like of leadership, of charisma. Some people like being told, hey, I'm great. Some people hear LeBron say, as a leader of this team, and think that's the way you do it. I just don't think that's the way you do it. I just don't. Um, I'm not, I don't expect everybody to agree with me, but same as Josh Rosen. 11 teams are going to be sorry. They do. Yeah, Josh, you're on your 12th NFL team right now. You're actually in the XFL. How about you do something? Like, Will Levis threw, I don't know, almost as many picks as touchdowns. Like, he had a bad year. I don't want to hear how good you are. Tell me, you know, so. Well, he puts mayonnaise in his coffee, which to me is automatically a disqualifier. But I I will say Aaron Rodgers had one of the great draft night quotes of all time, though, when he was drafted. San Francisco, which was his hometown area, bypassed on him. He falls in the draft. He goes to the Packers. How disappointed are you San Francisco didn't draft you? Not near as disappointed as San Francisco is going to be that they didn't draft me. That was a hell of a comment. But it took years for it to be a hell of a comment because retroactively it could have been a disaster. Can Not go either that, way, but 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 he's the he's the needle in the haystack. I it's agree. Not, hey, and I don't know. You're not saying this, but I know people out there listening going, "Yeah, if it's okay for Aaron to say, it's okay for Levis." Yeah, one of these things is not like the other. One of these is is arguably the greatest top five quarterback of all time. The other guys that got through 15 picks at Kentucky last year will show me something. Shut up, Greg. Thank you. I love being on, guys. Thank you. Bye. It is my birthday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Not literally, my birthday is September 3rd, but it is 9.03. In Indianapolis, Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I was hallucinating there, Mark. I was like, I could have sworn we just had the party of a century for him. Uh, You guys did do a heck of a job with that, which was much appreciated. Uh, Alex Golden joins us to talk a little Pacers. Alex, we'll begin with this. Speaking of party of the century, is Kevin going to be having one Friday morning after the Houston Rockets get him his coveted 30th win for his over-under preseason bet? Yeah, I think so. The Pacers definitely want to win this game, too, since they have the Rockets' second-round pick if it is the worst record in the NBA, I think, or 31-32. So, yeah, KB, you should be ready to storm the court there uh, for the Rockets game. I think it's going to be a hands-down easy win. But 
We did just see them lose this first Thursday. <laughs> hey, I, I was ready last night. I thought, you know, a lot of security towards Will Ferrell, 50 Cent. Here's my chance to, you know, maybe sneak down there. Um, I, I do want to get into the detail that you just mentioned there that I think is lost on a little bit of the fan base in terms of what the Pacers have draft pick-wise. We know they've got their own. We know they have Boston and Cleveland's, and in all likelihood, those two teams are making the playoffs, so they're going to be somewhere in, in, in the 20 range. So you've got those three first-round picks, but fill us in on what the Pacers have potentially with Houston's second-round pick, and I think that matters because you think of where Andrew Nemhard was taken last season. Yeah, so the Rockets finished with the worst or second-worst record, so 31 or 32 in the second round. They will get that pick. If it's uh, the third-worst record in the NBA, then they won't get that pick. So it'll be somebody else's. I'm not sure who is, but I know for the Pacers, it's got to be the worst record or the second-worst record. That's the protection on it. But they also did pick up another second-round pick, which is kind of crazy, and that was uh, that was Cleveland's and one of the trades they made, I think, with Milwaukee. And that's around pick 56 right now. So they're going to have five picks in this draft, which obviously not going to use them all, but uh, it's still nice to have that ammo. And right now, Detroit has the worst at 15 and 50. Houston is right there at 15 and 49. San Antonio at 16 and 49. So on the cheering for things over the next month and a half, that is a really weird parameter on that draft pick, but cheer for Houston to lose because if they finish with one of the worst two records in the league, as Alex said, then the Pacers would get either the first or second pick in the second round. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, the Pacers do play the Pistons three more times this uh, the rest of the season. So if they have to position themselves for that pick to land i mean don't be surprised if they do that alex one of the things that to me becomes a question mark i was thinking about this last night kevin made mention earlier to this time a year ago we're seeing keeper sykes get a ton of minutes right and when a team is not very good and the pacers have upside but they're not very good obviously then once the year is obviously a wash, you start seeing guys get minutes, and then you ask yourself, are these guys getting minutes because they're really good players or because they need somebody to get minutes and thus they get points? I look at like Jordan Wara, for example. Is he a guy that you think that is a legitimate, let's take a look at him and see what we have moving forward piece? Or is he a piece that is getting minutes right now and getting starting minutes because they acquired him for not much and they need somebody on the floor? Yeah, I think, honestly, it's a little bit of both, Jake. And I think that, you know, taking war with his contract with George Hill, Serge Ibaka for that trade, I mean, it was to take a flyer on this guy. Now, he does have another year under his belt uh, with his contract for next season. And O'Shea Brissett is going to be an unrestricted free agent. I think both players kind of are similar in what they play. I think there might be a little bit more upside to uh, Jordan Moore here, so I think that's where you can maybe see the Pacers were looking at some insurance for O'Shea Brissett if he does leave in free agency or if they decide to move on from him because there's a lot of guys on this roster that, you know, we want to see them play more. They're young. They they fit a certain bill, and we're trying to figure out how they are. So, I mean, since he's been traded here, I think he's put up points, like you said. Uh, if you look at plus-minus, which I'm over at Carlisle, looks like he's been a minus seven. Uh, he's been a minus messing um, over the last six games, I should say, since the All-Star break returned. So, you know, he's playing, he's playing well, shooting 40% from three. I think Carlisle likes that, 51% from the field. There's a lot of interesting things about his game that I like, but I, I think with his size, that's a position of need. 
it's not just because, you know, he's uh, putting up points. I, I think that there is something there, but I think moving forward, I've been kind of saying this about a lot of guys on this team, but I, I don't think he's a starter long term. But I definitely think he, he could be a rotational piece moving forward. Again, it's at Alex Golden NBA on Twitter. Setting the pace is the podcast. Alex is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, I, I'll give credit to Rick Carlisle. I mean, it seems like for now, George Hill and Daniel Tice are going to be on the bench, and he's not going to play those two, and he's committing a little bit more to the youth here. One aspect we have not seen yet, Alex, and you know, to be totally fair, I was not clamoring for this all season long. I thought it was something they should do post-All-Star break. They have not done it, and that has put Benedict Mather in the starting lineup next to Tyrese Halliburton. Am I overreacting to that, or do you view that as kind of a wasted opportunity to close out the season and you know putting your backcourt of the future together here for the final 15, 20 games? Yeah, I think almost every Pacer fan wants to see this with a larger sample size because a lot of the times when Ben has started, Tyrese hasn't been out on the floor. So it's one of those things where I understand the chemistry between Buddy and Tyrese. They've been playing pretty good basketball since the All-Star break. I know that, you know, maybe some fans, myself included, were looking more towards the draft and, and the lottery and that kind of thing. But as players and, co- and the coaching staff, I think they're still trying to push for uh, a play-in chance because the guys want that opportunity. We had Aaron Neesmith on our podcast last week, and he said that they really want to get there. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of determined to do that. So I don't really anticipate any changes being made because of the chemistry that Buddy and Tyrese have. But I totally agree. I think that just getting even a 10-game sample size, maybe the last 10 games of the season, would be really beneficial just to see what you have here. Um, I, I think against the Spurs, when, when Halliburton didn't play, Mather only played 15 minutes, and I know there were some concerns about that. People were kind of confused by that. and you know That was just a bad game overall for a lot of guys. But, yeah, I think at the same point, though, KB, we really do need to see what this pairing can be, especially – if Buddy Heald is not going to be here long-term because we know he's going to be an expiring contract next year, I think you kind of want to know what you got going into the draft uh, with those two guys starting and what those numbers could look like, even if it is just a 10-game sample size. Do you think, Alex, that, that the Pacers roster is such that they have put themselves in position to simply draft best player available at this point? Do you feel like they have enough kind of boxes checked that they can say, we're just going to take the best guy on the clock? Or is there a specific area that they have to go out and get? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this draft is very wing-heavy, and that's where they really need to, to get players at, at the wing position. So, yes, I uh, I definitely do agree that you always take the best player available when you're drafting, especially high. But – for instance, let's just say they ended up getting like the second overall pick. Do you take Scoot Henderson, who's six foot two, another guard, when you already have so many guards in the rotation, or do you maybe look to trade back a pick or two, kind of like we saw with Atlanta and Dallas when Dallas traded up to get Luca, Atlanta traded back to get Trey Young? Do they do something similar to that, where they can maybe find themselves at three or four and look at a wing, particularly Brandon Miller, somebody like that? that fits what they need more. So I think, you know, they've got the guards and they got the bigs. They really just need to address the forward position. So I think if it's, if it's a guard, then I, I would say probably don't draft best player available, get the, get the best forward available. But it, it's hard to say that when you're looking at the draft and, and you get a chance at a high pick, but 
yeah, I don't I don't think they need any more guards on this team at this point. They're already too guard heavy. It does feel like if there is a position that you in this year's draft, if there's a position that you would want to be your want, if you will, it would be like stretch threes because it seems like this draft is full of I'm not saying that it's full of elite level but I think it is rich in six seven to six nine long guys perfect for the Pacers yeah perfect for the Pacers yeah and I think honestly there's enough of them that the Pacers aren't too concerned about jumping up to to one or two obviously they want that you know what I mean like they would love to be number one get Victor Mignama seven foot five guy I mean he could totally change a franchise not saying they don't want that but I'm saying there's also a thing where they're not as concerned about jumping up because they like a lot of the, the small forwards in this draft, a lot of the forwards in this draft that could really help them. And I think just there's so many names out there, but I, I'm just I'm just really hoping that they fall in that you know five to eight range if they don't jump up, just because there's a lot of good talent there. Alex Golden with us again at Alex Golden NBA on Twitter. Um, you know, when you think back to last season, Alex, and I was, you know, such a fan of, and again, this is weird to say a fan of it, but it's a reality when you're at this point as a franchise of, you know, losing games late, improving your draft stock. Draft stock was very beneficial to the Pacers. I mean, if they would have won a few more games last year, Benedict Matherin becomes Johnny Davis or Dyson Daniels, and and now the shape of your franchise looks a whole lot different. Um, if any, what pros would you point to? about Indiana potentially getting on a run here to end the season and getting into the play-in tournament? Yeah, I mean, I guess the pros would mostly be the experience for these guys, the taste, the, you know, because I don't think they're going to go far even if they get into the play-in. For some reason, like, I could see them winning two games just because of the way they've been playing recently where they can maybe become the eighth seed, but they're going to get, I think, annihilated in a, in a, a seven-game series against the one seed just because I think – yeah, one game is one thing, but playing a seven-game series against this team, I think a lot of teams would be able to poke holes in, into what the Pacers have roster-wise. But I just look at it from this standpoint. If they get into the playing game and they don't get to the playoffs, I think that's a little bit beneficial for getting them some experience, but also not totally tanking away their, their top traffic. I still think, based on how the rosters are, or based on how the records are, I think there's a good chance they could still end up with a top-ten pick, even if they do make that playing in game just because there's so many teams out in the Western Conference that have similar or better records than the Pacers. So that's one thing to keep an eye on because I think OKC, New Orleans, and the Lakers, they all have uh, – they're all at 30 wins plus right now, so they have a better win percentage than the Pacers right now. So that's something to keep an eye on just depending on what that Western Conference uh, run looks like there for where they would land at in the in the, in the inverse standings. But other than that, I think that getting yourself a better pick makes way more sense instead of going for that run, just because it's going to allow you guys to get more talent. And I think there's a good chance next year the Pacers make the playoffs. Uh, I know it's projecting a lot, but with what we've seen this year, if you add more talent to it and kind of shake up the roster a little bit more, this team feels like they're destined for the playoffs next year. And that's why I think just adding one extra pick makes way more sense than just that play-in game type of situation. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, last one from me. Again, March Madness begins starting next week. You've talked about a couple of names. Cam Whitmore, unfortunately, doesn't look like we're going to see him in the tournament with how Villanova's played this year. Mm-hmm. But other names to keep an eye on as the month of March unfolds. I do think this was a critical period last year to where Benedict Matherin really cemented himself as kind of a top-seven type pick. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, Brandon Miller is a name to keep an eye on. Alabama, they're going to be a really, probably a popular pick to go far because of what Brandon Miller's done. I think I'm going to be watching him, but I think his teammate, Noah Clowney, is another name to keep an eye on. He's been kind of rising a little bit, and a lot of uh, big, big dude, right? Or bigger that. dude, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, six foot ten power forward. Uh, he won't even be 19 before the draft, so very young, and I think he might be more of a more of a center type. So that could that could be uh, unlucky there. But you know, I'm not I'm not actually sure if UCF is going to make the NCAA tournament. But one guy that I've been keeping my eyes on a lot that's been rising as well is Taylor Hendricks, six foot nine power forward. I think that's going to keep an eye on, but. Uh, somebody that everybody's familiar with, I, I think this could be, and it makes a ton of sense to me as a Pacers pick as well, is Chris Murray from Iowa. With how much they like Keegan Murray last year, I think Chris is very similar. Probably not as talented as Keegan, but very, very similar in how he plays the game. And I think that type of player, a six foot eight wing that's shooting the, the lights out from three, solid defender, low maintenance kind of guy, I think he could also be someone the Pacers have their eye on as well. And I think he's somebody I'm watching this uh, this run to see if Iowa can can do anything in the uh, in the NCAA tournament and not kind of crater like they did last year in the first round. Okay, Mark Dykton, I'm going to put you on the spot. This show we designed to do what? Educate and entertain. That's correct. Uh, Noah Clowney, who Alex just mentioned, power forward, native of South Carolina, little brother of Jadeveon Clowney. True or false? True. Sorry, buddy. He is a cousin to him. Oh, well, okay. So he's in the there, family tree. We are, but here's the he's thing. He's in the if, family tree. If Alex... Mark up to fail there. Alex, if they draft Noah Clowney, there is your tidbit fun fact that you can throw in there. He is the cousin <laughs> of Jadeveon Clowney. Not brother. I, I love it. Thank you. Uh, that's great information to know. <laughs> Alex, what about... <laughs> really uh, pertinent. Is it Jarris Walker from, from Houston? Is that the power forward? Yeah. Yeah, he's actually... If, if the Pacers don't get Brandon Miller, I mean, he's actually my preferred choice for that first pick the Pacers have. Um, probably a little bit over a Min Thompson as well, just because I uh, I really just like the way Jarrett plays, and I think his style would fit in perfectly next to Miles Turner. So uh, kind he's of a the guy tougher, that's been rising right? Yeah, he's a, he's a tougher guy, really good defensively. Uh, he's not been putting up big stats point wise, and Houston's been really good. So I think just. You know, as much as Indiana fans here don't like Coach Sampson, I mean, he's done a great job with Houston. I think that they're a, a sleeper team to maybe win the whole tournament this year, and I think he could be a big part of it, which would help his stock as well. But I think he's going to go top five. I have him four on my board. I, I really like Jairus Walker. It's between him and Brandon Miller for me. I just think Miller has more of the offensive upside that you want. It reminds me a lot of Paul George, Brandon Miller does. But Jairus Walker, I think that's a guy to just keep monitoring because he's, he's going to be – uh, more known during this NCAA tournament run. I think Houston's going to go far. Uh, true or false, Jarris Walker, Mark Dykton, is the brother of St. Joseph's star Jaden. I'll say true again. I think you're going to say the son of Larry Walker, former Rockies lefty. <laughs> true is correct, by the way. Sister Jaden plays basketball for St. Joseph. Some good background here from Jay Query on this draft. <laughs> Alex, are you taking notes on all this for the for for when the Pacers draft a guy out of Lithuania we've never heard of? Yeah, I know, right? It's uh, <laughs> I appreciate the tidbit. Uh, the good thing is I can go back and listen to the podcast, and I'm ever right. curious to what you said. So. I can go back and check that out on 107.5thefan.com. Look at that. Nice. Alex, what a company man. A better company man than we are. Now, we'll ask you for your Venmo (laughs) off air to make sure we can properly (laughs) 
This is not going to be, though, Alex, would you agree clearly, this is not going to be one of the Pacers drafting sign and stash years where they draft a guy and stash him away in Europe. Whoever they draft is probably a guy we're going to be seeing getting minutes a year from now. Yeah, that's, that's actually really funny to bring that up real quick. I'll, I just want to say we uh, we recorded a podcast last night with a draft uh, person, on, and that's going to be releasing on Thursday for anybody interested in draft content. But uh, they did talk about the Pacers having so many picks. If they do end up keeping all three they, uh, in the first round, they could see the Pacers maybe with that last pick, around like 28, I think, where Boston's at now. They, they, they talked about maybe doing a draft and stash at that point just because where are the roster spots? And I said, that's a really good point. You know, I think – what makes the most sense to me is packaging those picks and trying to move up to get two top 15 picks. Yeah. But I don't know if that's possible or that, move higher uh, up into the top 10. Yeah, that's too. And that's true too. And I mean, they could, they could trade next year's draft pick as well, because we've heard that the 2024 draft is not as strong. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni just flat out said like, no, this draft is terrible. Like people don't even want these picks. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I go that far, but uh, you know, he would know better than me because he's seen this, like he said, one of the weaker high school recruiting classes. So maybe the Pacers are like, okay, let's package 2024 first round pick with our 2023 pick this year and move up and get into the top four or five and see if they can do that. I mean, there's a lot of options here with what the Pacers have, but I I would not be surprised if they do keep all three just because trades are hard sometimes at draft time. If they do do a draft and stash, it would not be the most unlikely thing, but not not all the way up at like five or six. There's no way they're taking anybody. And I don't think there's anybody up there for drafting stash at that point uh, on anybody's big board. Belil Koulibaly from France. Yeah, that's, that's who it's going to be. There's your sign and stash. True or false, he is yeah. actually the brother to Bo Koulibaly, who is a French volleyball player. Mark? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Buzz that, baby. I made that up. Yeah. You need these beers back, Mark? To get can I can you give me one? I will take one right now. Well, it's 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 the nine o'clock. Give hour. me two. I'll do We're the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Buddy. What? This is what happens. Alex <laughs> Golden, great stuff, man. Thanks for uh, certainly hanging in there for these last few minutes. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's it's nine o'clock here, but it's five o'clock somewhere. Don't forget uh, that. That's right. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.